More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show on this Wednesday, January 19th. Great to have you with us. We've got a lot to talk to you about today. The Biden presidency in free fall in terms of the poll numbers. Biden not able to get a grip on things, it seems. He's going to have a press conference this afternoon, I think, unfortunately, after our show. So we won't be able to bring it to you live or bring you our immediate reaction because clay and i would have a lot of fun with it kind of like mystery science theater back in the day we could jump in and out of the press conference one day but here we are with a biden regime that seems not just out of its depth but intransigent unwilling to adjust to the new information um let me just give you a a quick sense of of some of the places we're going to go today first of all you have that horrific story out of Los Angeles, where a, a young woman was stabbed to death by a career criminal. Uh, this uh, Brianna Kupfer just murdered in a totally random, senseless, horrific crime by a career criminal in a, in a city that has a D.A. who bends over backwards. He's a lib, of course, bends over backwards. This is Gascon doing everything he can to not punish criminals very severely. Clay and I'll talk to you about the criminal justice realities of America over the course of the show today and how. Where's Biden on this? Well, why not give a speech? Why not give a speech where he actually discusses how he's going to have federal law enforcement working with local law enforcement to take violent crime down, to take the bad guys off the streets and to tell DAs to punish them? No, no. Instead, what we're going to have today is a push for voting rights, which even using that term, it's not voting rights. It's tilting the scale toward Democrats in elections. Because you know what matters to them more than inflation, skyrocketing crime, uh, a porous southern border, the most illegal immigration we've had in memory. You know what matters to them more than all these things and, and, a, and a weak economy and the Omicron surge that has made a mockery of Fauciism? Staying in power. Nothing matters to them more, Clay, than staying in power. And, and this is where I, where I think... We have to not overestimate the abilities of the other side strategically. They know that they have nothing really to stand on right now. 
And so it seems to me like because they know they can't actually win in a contest coming up of the American people casting their votes in the midterms, the plan is just to, and I think it's a desperate plan. I don't think there's a lot of sound strategy behind this. You mentioned to me that people are starting to say maybe some of Biden's top advisors, even the stealth president, so to speak, is in a position where he, Ron Klain, should take some of the blame. I don't think that there is a grand strategic vision motivating Joe Biden right now. I don't think that Joe Biden would be capable, and I think most people listening will agree with us, and I bet you will agree with me, Biden is not capable to sit down and map out a grand strategic uh, game plan. There just isn't that ability with him from a purely functional cognitive perspective right now. Playing chess against Joe Biden would be a destruction. Like, I'm confident my 14-year-old would wipe the board with him if they played a chess match. Like, he's not able to think strategically. But, Buck, what you and I have believed is that there is a grand strategic design behind many of the moves that Joe Biden has made from whatever you want to describe as the Biden regime. And Ron Klain, who is his chief of staff, would be the head of that strategic plan. If that is true, if Joe Biden were cognitively aware of what's going on around him, he would recognize that he has been not only led astray, he's been embarrassed. And I don't know that we talked enough about what a slap in the face Kirsten Cinema's filibuster speech was last week and how embarrassing it should be for Biden. He was going to Capitol Hill, Buck. To after he made that speech on Tuesday of last week, eight days ago now, calling everybody who disagreed with him, George Wallace, Bull Connor, Jefferson Davis, he really thought he was putting the screws to the Republican Party. And then, as he is preparing to drive to Capitol Hill and make his you're with me speech to the Senate Democratic Caucus, Kirsten Cinema Buck didn't even wait for him to get there and give him the respect to hear his argument, she went on the Senate floor and basically put three gunshots into the idea, tap, 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 of the voting rights bill and changing the filibuster so that when Joe Biden actually arrived on Capitol Hill, all of his domestic agenda was dead Thanks to Joe Manchin for Build Back Better, and now thanks to Kirsten Cinema for the filibuster. And that's a level of disrespect that his own party is putting forth on Joe Biden. That's the kind of disrespect you get, Buck, when you've got a 33% approval rating, according to Quinnipiac. And whoever puts you in that position to fail like that, in my opinion, if you are a real leader, you have to look around for better leadership and advice. Joe Biden's not a real leader. I don't know that he's capable of even picking somebody to be his strategic leader, but they have given him awful advice to govern from the left wing of a party when he barely has a majority at all. And right now it's all blown up in his face and his own political party is revolting and uh, and, and leading the revolution against him. I think it's also important that we... And I mean, the the general we, everyone across the country, not make the mistake of thinking that Democrats 
right now and that the base the Democrat Party processes information the way that all the rest of us do, meaning that as more data comes in, whether it's about masking and vaccine passports or crime or just the realities of the Biden presidency, they're going to shift. The most recent polling on this makes it clear that, yeah, 95 percent plus of Republicans think Biden's doing a terrible job. But you could say, well, they're Republicans. 80 percent plus of Democrats think Biden is doing a good job, which is absurd. I mean, this is brainwashing level insanity that you're looking at here. The indicator that has them all so worried is that independents, the people who can be swayed, politically speaking, to vote for or against Joe Biden as a candidate, he's his support with them, Clay, has gone from roughly in the 60s to the low 30s, dropped yeah. in half. So the people who are not emotionally, see, this is the problem with being a Democrat today. They're emotionally and psychologically invested in Joe Biden at the expense of reason, fact, and experience. Because he's not orange man bad, so we should be thankful for Grandpa Joe. That's really the attitude. Independence who may be believed because the whole media was telling them. And look, I get it, by the way. You know, you and I live in the matrix of the news cycle. Like, we're plugged into the matrix all day long. I mean, you know, you're, you're, you are and I are always tweeting and going on TV and doing this stuff even when we're not on radio. For most folks, if the entire media says Joe Biden, he's just going to be a moderate, he's going to be a return to normal, they'll say, all right, well, that doesn't, you know, I'm talking about independence now. That doesn't sound so bad. I mean, maybe I'll give this guy a shot. Those people? are already saying, oh, my God, what have we done? What is this guy doing to our country? And that the focus right now in the new year with the clear failure of their COVID policy, we'll talk more about the 400 million N95 masks and, and all that in a few moments here. But with this clear failure and the things that people care about, the economy, safety on the streets and inflation, right? These are the things that really get people motivated right now uh, politically across the country. These are top of the top of the heap of concerns they're doing this whole voting rights thing and they can't even show us this whole voting suppression slash racism speech that they constantly give is a figment of their imaginations this isn't a real thing to people who aren't essentially professional democrats who are paid to go on tv or paid to be political consultants or run for office no one actually thinks this is happening but they're obsessed with it because clay First and their first order of business isn't the safety of the American people, the American economy. It's how do we, the Democrats and the regime, which is not just Joe Biden, but the people around him stay in power and everything else is secondary to that. What has happened here is, first of all, there's not a single person that can be pointed to in the entire nation by the Democrats and say this person was unable to vote because of existing laws. Not one person. I talked about yesterday, Buck, that I've lived all over the city of Nashville, which is a big city, inner city neighborhoods I've gone and vote, suburban neighborhoods I've gone to vote. That's emblematic, I think, of many people that are out there listening to us right now. There's no difficulty when it comes to being able to vote. So they're selling, one, a falsehood. Second part here, though, and I think we have to keep hammering this home, even with all of the crazy changes that were made in 2020 because of COVID. Absentee ballots, the likes of which we've never seen before. Mail-in ballots, the likes of which we've never seen before. Altered on their face laws, which were not permissible under the existing state laws. Emergency ballots, all these different things that occurred in 2020 
that have not occurred for the rest of our democracy. The Democrats are panicked because they lost the down ballot votes. Remember, I mean, this is, they lost House seats. But only, Buck, did they win the presidency by 40,000 votes out of 150 million cast. Even with the rig job that was in place with big tech covering up all the Hunter Biden stories, with the Google rig jobs, with everything that was being given to Joe Biden to beat Donald Trump. 20,000 people in Wisconsin, in Georgia, and Arizona changed their mind, and Donald Trump is the president. That's one NHL arena. That's one NBA arena full of fans out of 150 million plus who supposedly voted, right? That is why they are so panicked, because they know that they're going to get destroyed in 2022, which will take away their majority in the House and probably their majority in the Senate. And then in 2024, Buck, they are looking, I really believe this, the right nominee, the right time, at a red tide that's going to sweep them out to sea. I honestly was saying this frequently because I, I don't believe, Clay, that you know the job of, of anybody in media, conservative media talk radio, should just be to always be talking about you know, fire and brimstone and everything's terrible. I remember telling my audience before we teamed up in, in 2019, uh, guys, this is about as good as it's going to get anytime soon under the Trump presidency, meaning this is, this is America is prosperous, peaceful. We're kicking butt. Things are amazing. And you and I both agree. If, if you go into an election in 20, in the fall of 2019 instead of the fall of 2020 pre pandemic, I think it's a walk in the park for Donald Trump. Under normal circumstances, it was, and really an amazing three, well, going into the fourth year, obviously, with the pandemic, but an amazing three years of just upside for America. All the stuff that we were supposed to be worried about were figments of Democrat imagination. Russia collusion and, and the rise of the white nationalist uh, threat to the heart of America. All this stuff that they were saying was just media uh, media conjured. And then we got hit with a pandemic and they exploited it. And now they realize that there's some real buyer's remorse Voters remorse, perhaps you could say, from the American people who decided to go along with this. And that's why, folks, they're going to get desperate. Don't think that they're going to say, you know what, we were wrong, they were right. And they're also not going to say that about masks and other things, which I want to get into in a second here, because a big, you see this out of the UK, Clay? Big changes in the UK oh, right yeah. now. I'm excited it, to talk about Incredibly it. significant. And by the way, you do vote with your money every single day. Who and where you choose to spend your money oftentimes ends up being a part of a company's political donations to one candidate or another. They never talk about it or disclose it. You have to look into it yourself. Your cell phone provider and the bill you're paying each month, you might be surprised to see the list of leftist candidates pushing leftist agendas on their list with your money. But there's a solution. It's Pure Talk. Get your cell phone service from Pure Talk. They use the exact same towers, exact same exact same 5G network as one of those companies. But with the peace of mind that you're supporting a veteran-run business with employees all here in the U.S., we're proud customers for that reason alone. Buck, how can you hook people up? It's so easy. From your cell phone, dial pound 250 and say Pure Talk. You'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Again, that's dial pound 250 and just say the words Pure Talk. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. 
Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show, rolling through the Wednesday edition of the program. We are joined now, we've talked a lot about what's going on on the Senate floor, by from the great state of Tennessee, Senator Marsha Blackburn. Uh, Senator Blackburn, thanks for taking time to uh, to come chat with us. What's going on on the Senate floor right now as it pertains to the voting rights bill, the filibuster debate? How much longer is this going to go on, and what's the ultimate outcome going to be for people out there who are uh, paying some attention to what's going on on the Senate floor today? Yes, what you will see us do is go to the floor at 6.30 to vote cloture on this federalizing of election bill that they're trying to push forward. That vote will fail. And then they will move to have what they're calling, Schumer is calling a talking filibuster. Um, and that is going to fail. The point is this. What he's trying to do is blow up the Senate, blow up the rules of the Senate, blow up the courts. Uh, they want to pass this socialist agenda, which would federalize elections. It would take control of your kids, control of their education, control of your bank account, add uh, and expand the courts. It would make D.C. a state. And they cannot accomplish this because when they get to the Senate to move forward on these legislative items, they have to have 60 votes. So, you know, we are staying united. 
we are pushing against this. We're pointing out what they're doing. We need to keep the filibuster so that we can keep the rules of the Senate, the rule of law, and abide by the Constitution. Senator Blackburn, it's Buck. I just want to know, so that's ostensibly what Chuck Schumer and the Senate Democrats want to get. It seems, and Clay and I have been trying to analyze this for a few days now, it seems inevitable it's going to fail. So what is then the, the second order effect of this, if you will? What, what comes afterwards? Is this merely to give them a talking point going into the midterms that they wanted to pass voting rights and the Republicans because they're so racist and there's Jim Crow 2.0, to borrow the phrase from Biden, is that really what this is, to set up essentially a smear over voting rights of their political opponents, or is there something else well, at work? Yeah. yeah, one of the things at work is that um, Chuck Schumer is fully aware he is facing a primary opponent in uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And so AOC coming against him, he is wanting to protect himself. Second. What you are seeing is that they are trying to get everybody on the record so that they can go out and say, well, you know, the president went to Georgia and he gave this speech and uh, he told everybody, if you're not for this, you're racist. And uh, that is the type thing that they're trying to set up. The thing is, the Constitution gives states the ability to set their time, place, and manner of elections. It gives that to the state legislatures, not to the courts, uh, not to election administrators, but to the state legislatures. And the states are looking for ways to make it easier to vote, harder to cheat. That is their goal. That is our goal. We think voter participation is a very good thing, and we want to see that continue. Senator Blackburn, I, I, I know you were as disgusted as I was when you saw one of the uh, owners of the Golden State Warriors say he didn't care at all about genocide in China. The NBA, not surprisingly, despite the fact that they claim to be a social justice uh, league, has said virtually nothing about this. Players, coaches, other owners. What do you think should happen as a result of those comments? Was it just saying the quiet part out loud how outraged were you when you heard and saw those comments? I, I could not believe it. I thought it was a mistake. And then that the NBA and Adam Silver didn't come out and say something about it was appalling to me, you know. And you have the Golden State Warriors that have not come out and disavowed these comments. And, and now, you know, they're trying to walk them back and nuance, but I think they need a good dose of Enos Cantor freedom uh, when it comes to understanding some of these issues. We know, the world knows, that the Chinese Communist Party is carrying out a genocide on the Uyghur Muslim population in Xinjiang province. They know that they are using them for slave labor to make products that are sold, not only in the U.S., but around the globe. But people are so timid when confronting uh, the Chinese Communist Party because they think, well, they're going to come at you with a heavy hammer. Well, yeah, they do. They have banned me from China. They've sanctioned me. And we continue to say what they're doing is wrong, and we continue to stand against it. And it would be nice to see the NBA say, you know what, 
we're going to move our training facility from Xinjiang province. It would be nice for the U.S. Olympic Committee to say, we're not going to let these athletes be subjected to the whims of the Chinese Communist Party. But people are just kowtowing to the Chinese Communist Party, and it is frustrating, and it is not good for the cause of freedom. We're speaking to Senator Marsha Blackburn, and Senator Blackburn, I know you're not in a border state in Tennessee, but you are somebody who is vocal about the challenges that we have at the southern border, which continue on. It's amazing to me sometimes how little attention this actually gets. The Biden regime's approach to the border has resulted in, in the past year, really a, an unprecedented amount of illegal immigration into this country. And no one thinks it's, it certainly hasn't stopped, and no one believes it's going to continue. I mean, it's going to cease anytime soon. So do you, do you think that the Democrats are going to have a, a reckoning with that issue this year as long as the voters are made aware of just what's happening? You know, Buck, every town's a border town and every state's a border state right now because of the impact of drugs, sex trafficking, human trafficking, gangs, crime in the streets. And I do believe that this administration would be well advised to do something to secure that southern border. You have people from 160 different countries that came across that border, 2 million illegal aliens that sought to be apprehended. Then you have hundreds of thousands, maybe over a million of the gotaways, people that came across the border that we do not know who they are. And yes, indeed, it is going to be a reckoning because people are seeing the vast amounts of fentanyl that are making it into this country. They are hearing about deaths that are in their communities because of this fentanyl. And what they're saying is, no, this needs to be dealt with. They're looking at crime in the streets and gangs that are coming into their communities. What they are seeing is individuals that are being flown under the cloak of darkness, those that have illegally entered the country, and they're going into their their communities. And the communities then are left with addressing the cost of school and health care and social services for these for these individuals. They are also looking at how this makes these communities less safe when it is the gangs that are entering into these neighborhoods. And one of the top issues with women is security. It is crime in the streets. Senator Blackburn, I know you're busy on the Senate floor today and tonight. We appreciate that, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. You got it. Take care. Bye-bye. No doubt. That is Senator Marsha Blackburn as the drama on the Senate floor. If you want to call it drama, continues to build. We'll finally get a resolution on voting rights and the filibuster, presumably this evening. Tunnel the Towers broke ground on its Do Good Village in Land Lakes, Florida. It's the first of a kind. Community of 110 homes for the Foundation's program recipients. So together, families can heal. It's going to be a special place where families know what their neighbors understand and care about their issues. A community where the children of our nation's fallen or catastrophically injured heroes can grow and experience life together. The Foundation's Do Good Village is going to help these families beyond measure, and it's all thanks to an extraordinary donation of many acres of land and your generosity. Help America's greatest heroes and their families heal together. Make the Do Good Village the first of many communities like it. Because with every mortgage-free home, the foundation makes good on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices our heroes have made for our country and our communities. 
Donate $11 a month to Tunnel the Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2, T.org. Welcome to the third hour of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. We have a lot to talk to you about when it comes to crime and criminal justice in this country in this hour. Also, they're terrified of Ron DeSantis on a separate note, politically speaking. And that's a good sign for the DeSantis fans out there. When the left is angry at you, you know you're doing something right. We'll get to that later on. For right now, we have a number of heinous crimes that have occurred across the United States. Uh, Well, notably in big cities like Los Angeles and New York City, although there are crimes happening every day in record numbers. Remember, 2021 was a year of all-time murder highs in a number of major American cities, enormous increases in a lot of cities, double-digit increases in dozens of American cities over the last 12 to 18 months, of course, coinciding with the rise of the BLM movement as well. And so the theory that I've always put forward that Black Lives Matter as a movement manages to make everything worse for everyone, and notably for young uh, black men in America. It makes everything worse for everyone. The data proves that out. But here's what we've gone through just in the last week in this country uh, when we're talking about crime and, and what's happening in America today. You have um, Sandra Shells punched in the head, fell down and uh, hit her head and, and later died. She was a nurse in Los Angeles waiting to be uh, picked up by a bus. So a nurse uh, who was just doing her day-to-day life. Brianna Kupfer, uh, who was stabbed to death while working at a store in Los Angeles by a, well, we'll get into the criminals and, and who they are and their backgrounds in a moment. And then Michelle Goh, who was pushed in front of an oncoming subway car and struck fatally by that subway car in time, on the Times Square subway station. This is right near where uh, I am in New York City. It's a subway station that in earlier times, I would have used all the time, but everyone these days is more and more concerned about being on the subway. Um, and, and here's here's what's obvious about all this right away. The, the criminals that do this are known criminals. The people that have murdered these three women uh, were known to authorities with long criminal records, violent criminal records, and yet they're back out on the streets. What is the response of Eric Adams, the new mayor of New York City, to the murder of, of uh, Michelle Goh, an Asian-American woman pushed in front of the subway car? We need more mental health resources, he says, for this city. Well, there's actually a whole other approach, which would be we need to enforce the law and get serious about crime in America today. Here is the father, Brianna Kupfer, was stabbed to death in the store in Los Angeles. Horrific crime, completely Random, unprovoked, just a vicious murder. Here's her father uh, speaking about this issue on Fox, Todd Kupfer, Play Clip 26. I'm not blaming anybody by name. I blame what's endemic in our society right now is that everybody seems to be oriented on giving back rights and bestowing favor on people that rob others of their rights. We should be celebrating the good in people, not tear down communities by exposing them to people that are falling out the bottom that really don't care 
about the other human beings and just think they can do whatever they like in our society, and they are doing it more and more. That's the father of the victim in L.A., this brutal murder that occurred. Buck, you had a recent graduate of college working in a furniture store. Middle of the day, she is brutally murdered in the middle of the day by a career felon who has been arrested dozens of times. You have the situation, and by the way, this is a major point of discussion right now in Los Angeles, a city that I really like and have spent a substantial amount of time in in my career because Fox Sports is based in L.A., so I have been out in L.A. other than where I went to college in Washington, D.C. and where I live in Nashville. I've been in L.A. more time in my life than anywhere else in the world. And this is resonating in a big way. A middle-of-the-day murder by a career felon who should have never been on the streets. And, Buck, you can speak to this, and I know a lot of our staff in New York City can. For the people out there that don't live in New York City... What happened to Michelle Goh, this 40-year-old woman who was in the subway, never even saw her attacker, who shoved her in front of an oncoming subway train. This is a fear that is palpable for people who take the subway in New York City, for people who live in New York. This is something that is always in the back of your mind, this idea that someone might just come up and shove you. For anybody who's taken the subway before, if you're standing near the edge of that uh, of that uh, train platform, when the platform when it comes roaring in, you know how potentially able to be shoved in front you are, how much of a victim you are, how much you're relying on just the basic decency of society to be able to board that uh, subway train. And right. so for both of these incidents, and, and and by the way, I think this is important, Buck. These are not outlier incidents, right? And what I mean by that is these are not things that occur that are so outside of what's going on elsewhere. They're just two anecdotes which are reflective of the rapid rise in violent crime that we have seen in this country. And those are the two biggest cities in America. And right now, if you're in New York and L.A., You have heard and probably discussed with some of your friends and family about both of these cases, and they are emblematic of democratic policy failures that violent criminals are being allowed to maraud in our streets and kill completely 100 billion percent innocent people. These women had no chance to defend themselves. They had no hope. Public perception and social cohesion matters a whole lot when it comes to crime, right? Why, why is, and you could talk about the socioeconomics behind it, and, but poverty actually doesn't cause violent crime. There are a lot of very, very poor societies where violent crime is actually quite rare. So it's not poverty. That's not true. Uh, it, there's often a perception of whether or not certain behaviors will be tolerated. There's an escalation among the criminal class, because in every society there's a small percentage of people who are committing a vast majority, nearly all of the violent crimes. That's just the reality all around the world. 
And so when you look at this and you say, why is it that why is Tokyo so much safer than Rio de Janeiro, for example, just to pick two cities? I mean, Rio has a very, very high crime rate and Tokyo has an incredibly low crime rate. They're both mega cities with millions and millions of people. Well, it's because you create a a culture, essentially a public perception of how the police are going to react, what the public believes, how the public interacts with each other, social cohesion, social trust. That's why the subway platform thing is so, uh, first of all, it's so horrific to think you'd be, she was just looking at her phone and some lunatic shoves her in front of an oncoming train. It's a, you know, a horrible way to, a horrible way to die. And think about what that's done to her family. But beyond that, you see now that the Democrat policies of allowing and being permissive, uh, of the criminal class is disastrous. And we've gone through this before in America as, as a society, as a country. And we learned the lesson and now it's as though they want us to unlearn the lesson. And they have no good you know, explanation or excuse for this. And I'll tell you this, Clay, one thing that's really omnipresent. I know Tucker last night on his show on Fox did a whole thing on homelessness in American cities. It is a normal thing. I, mean, I can even remember recently myself, I was walking with my mother. This is maybe a few months back. And a person came up and started screaming the most horrific profanity imaginable. And it was a female, by the way, in our faces. And you just realize that this has now been normalized, that there, that there are essentially insane vagrants who wander the streets, urinating, defecating, and shouting threats and profanity at people. And if you, in the Democrat, and this is where we get into the politics of this a bit, in the Democrat mindset, if you have a problem with this, if you want these people to be taken off the street, if you want these people to be incarcerated for crimes they commit without the whole, oh, they just need mental health services, depending, of course, on the individual case, you're a bad person. They'll often call you a racist, depending on the race of the person involved in this, and they want to shut you down. You're not allowed anymore, Clay, as a New Yorker, to be upset and complain about people uh, relieving themselves and doing heroin in broad daylight on Broadway on the corner of wherever you live because social justice says you have to just take it. That's that's what the Democrat Party's turned into. And I want to hit you with this, too, Buck, because I think you can speak to this based on your background. Violent crime is typically not the first thing that someone does. This is why getting people who commit crimes off the streets is so important. You can speak to this, I think, on the percentage basis. But this guy, for instance, in L.A. who killed this young girl in a furniture store, he'd been arrested dozens of times for several violent offenses. Usually, the first offense you commit is not killing someone right people don't usually just jump from complete uh innocence complete law-abidingness to suddenly committing a violent murder now maybe that happens in crimes of passion type situations more so but it's still very rare that the first thing on somebody's rap sheet is murder so this is why the three strikes and you're out felony law made sense back in 1994 and beyond because there is an idea that as you commit crimes, and by the way, get away with them, you graduate, in essence, to the severity of the crime that you might attempt. There's a lot of evidence of that, right? Well, this is like with heinous, violent crimes a lot of the time, uh, people that end up you know, becoming, whether it's a, a, a school shooter situation or people that just go on to do the worst kinds of, of acts, you go back and you always find out uh, invariably that you know they were torturing animals or that there there were there are always signs is what i'm saying there's always these earlier indicators and oftentimes it's building up 
through crimes over time that you see that someone's heading for this. It doesn't get better, right? It doesn't go from, you know, I, I stole, uh, you know, I stole a jacket to I stole a car to I committed an armed robbery to, oh, you know, now I'm going to now I'm going to downscale it and just engage in a little, you know, Medicare fraud. No, no, that's not the direction it heads in. And we all know that. Uh, just from our our lived experience, you could say, as human beings and seeing what it's like in these societies. We'll come back into more of this because I think Eric Adams is unfortunately going to be a huge disappointment on this issue. He spoke about the subway system and whether it's safe or not, Clay, we should uh, we should address. And then we've got the media already get you're going to see so many. Ron DeSantis is worse than Trump, as in scarier than Trump. <laughs> Oh, my. There's already that happening. But Clay and I start off every day with Black Rifle Coffee. It's delicious tasting coffee that fuels our morning prep time. This is a veteran-owned coffee company that serves premium stuff to people who love America. They develop their own explosive roast profiles with the same mission focus they learned as military members serving this great country. Today, Black Rifle Coffee is committed to supporting veteran law enforcement and first responders. With every purchase you make, they give back to those causes. I'm drinking the K-Cups every day because, you know, I just want it quick and convenient. I get my CAF going, and man, it is like freedom straight into my veins, Clay. What's your What's your brew? I love the mocha cold brew. Right out of the can, pop the top, boom, you're ready to roll, and you can decide what flavor is right for you. You can go on the website, check it out, see what you might like. BlackRifleCoffee.com. Use the code CLAYANDBUCK at checkout for 20% off your purchase, uh, off your purchase and your first coffee club order. All you need to do, BlackRifleCoffee.com. Use that code CLAYANDBUCK. Sign up 20% off today. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes 
to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, from this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. Encourage you to go subscribe to the podcast. Give us five stars. Dub is going to be in charge of reading those five-star reviews and collating them for us. So if you take the time to do that, he will read those five-star reviews. Uh, Buck, you are recovering from COVID. As a result, well, first of all, you're going to have to do the show solo tomorrow because I'm going to be traveling to Fort Myers, and the only nonstop flight to Fort Myers from Nashville occurs during our show. Uh, so I will be solo for several hundred of our listeners on Friday in Fort Myers. I think we're going to try to Zoom you in or FaceTime you in or some sort of uh, activity there. But we're looking forward to being able to interact with a lot of you down in the Fort Myers, Naples, Naples, Southwest Florida uh, part of the Clay and Buck universe. going to be a cool event that we're doing there. We appreciate our affiliate station uh, and our listeners down there. Look forward to seeing you. But Buck will have the show tomorrow. I will be flying, hopefully, all these different flights have been getting canceled still because of the Omicron impact. Both Buck and I have had Omicron, uh, but a lot of different pilots and flight attendants have, which has necessitated all sorts of scrambling in terms of the flight situation. So hopefully my flight will actually take off tomorrow. Uh, but Buck, you're going to have the show solo, uh, and it should be a, uh, it should be a really, uh, fun show for you, uh, as you are doing it from your apartment recovering from yes. COVID. And then it's going to be fun for me to get down to Fort Myers. And then, and then I can wear a scarf or whatever I like, and no one will even, <laughs> no one will even know. Nobody will call the- you out. I can rock the indoor ascot, folks, and no one leave another difference. But I will say, I, I have to, I have to give a, a moment of appreciation for my uh, my tag team member here, Mister Clay Travis, because I have started watching both Yellowstone and eighteen eighty three. Yes, and, uh, on your recommendation, and I will because, of course, the, when, what better time to start ripping through shows than when you're literally home alone in quarantine for a week and can't yeah. see anyone and can't do anything. 1883, I think, is fabulous. Yeah. And I've already watched the whole slew of episodes that are out so far. Such a well-done show. I don't even, this guy Taylor Sheridan, never heard of him before all this stuff. I want to be like, this guy's like a modern American, you know, film genius. And then uh, then there's um, Yellowstone, which I'm now, I'm, I'm like halfway through the first season. And it is, I have to say, it is very good. But... I do actually think I probably like 1883 a little bit better, but I do I like think 1883 too. is better done. I mean, look, the 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 conceit of television is often you take two different shows and you throw them together and create something new. And so if you were saying, "Hey, what is the uh what is that sort of alchemy look like that created uh Yellowstone?" I've been saying, "Hey, it's sort of like you mixed Dallas with the Sopranos, right? It's not either of those, but it's a very melodramatic version of uh, of of a television program, if that makes sense. Right. Well, this is how they used to pitch movies, right? I mean, the yes. original pitch for Ghostbusters, according to Dan Aykroyd, was uh, was ghost janitors in space. Believe it or not, it was supposed to be in space. The initial uh, screenplay for that. Uh, but how how are we doing with the Peaky Blinders watching, I, Mr. Travis? I, I have not. Yeah, I haven't watched hardly any television because for people out there who know, 
the super wild card weekend in the NFL was Saturday, I, I Sunday, think that's Monday. TV, though. <laughs> yeah, that's six different games, though, uh, that are the essence of the NFL. So I have not watched hardly anything other than the NFL on television. Uh, I am thinking that I'll watch some Peaky Blinders when I am in uh, Florida solo now uh, with lots of time, theoretically, to kill. By the way, some good news. Starbucks just happening, right? You just saw the yep. news come across. Starbucks has rescinded their vaccine mandate for workers. Um, I hope that there are going to be other places doing the same going forward in the wake of the Supreme Court decision. But also, as we now recognize that the vi- vaccine isn't stopping people from getting Omicron, if everybody's going to get it, it's hard to argue that you have to have a vaccine mandate. Buck, what you got for us? Interest rate hikes are coming three, maybe four this year, and they could happen as early as March. That makes now the time to cut down on your debt and spend less on interest by refinancing before it's too late. Just takes one call to American Financing to learn more. Their salary-based mortgage consultants look at your entire financial picture. They find every way to help you save up to $1,000 a month. American Financing. Look, I've relied on them, and they've come through big time. So why not learn more? The call is free. There's no obligation, no hidden fees. You really got nothing to lose. You could close in as fast as 10 days and skip two mortgage payments. Call American Financing at 800-777-8109. That's 800-777-8109. Or visit AmericanFinancing.net, NMLS 182-334, NMLSConsumerAccess.org. That's 800-777-8109, American Financing. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.